fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones on every episode we go in depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff my name is Colm O'Hearn and joining me on this episode is a man who enjoys hard-boiled detectives it's Adam Carroll Good evening. And alongside him is a man that I'm guessing enjoys hard-boiled eggs. It's Josh Wise. Hello. I will have a hard-boiled egg. I knew it. I love an egg. Uh, We are here also, (laughs) as well as to talk about eggs, to talk about video games. But before we talk about the game that we are discussing today, lads, we need to get into the right headspace. Which Mm. is why tonight we're going to party like it's... June 3rd, 2013. Before we chat about the game, yes, we need to dive headfirst into what was happening in and around the world on the 3rd of June, 2013. So firstly, in sport, in football, your favourites, both of you, Mm -hmm. uh, the special one, Jose Mourinho returned to Stamford Bridge for a second spell as Chelsea manager. And what followed was the standard three seasons of Josie, which is one okay, one brilliant, one shit. (laughs) Um, In television on the 2nd of June, only the day prior, the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones third season aired. Now, Mm. you may may be wondering, why why are you mentioning that? It just seems like a random episode. Well, (laughs) that episode is noteworthy because it is titled The Reigns of Castamere. So in other words... The Red Wedding. Oh, yeah. And I can imagine on this date, the 2nd of June, 2013, everyone was like, oh, that was incredible television. I can't wait to watch the remainder of this series. (laughs) It's going to be incredible from start to finish. Also, in the first week of June, 2013, a 29-year-old called Edward Snowden decided to go scorched earth on his job as he leaked a fair amount of information on America's national security and yeah. what they were up to surveillance-wise. Yeah, it, it caused a bit of a stir at the time. Mm. And it even resulted in the young fella from Third Rock from the Sun playing Snowden in a film. <laughs> but that was years later. Many, many years later. In music, topping the charts in America was Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Ray Dalton <laughs> with a song called Can't Hold Us which indeed was a constant at the time, most definitely. Mm. I, I think it was in an ad. I think it was in an ad. I think it was in that year's iteration of NBA 2K as well, 2K14. I seem to remember that coming on the menu. The song that was top in the UK was an absolute juggernaut. And I really mean that. It eventually topped the charts in 25 countries. It became one of the best-selling singles of all time. Mm. And on this week, it was top of the UK charts. And that song is... Oh, I know what it is. Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke, featuring Pharrell and T.I. Oh, my goodness, did I hate that song. If there's a listener that hasn't heard that song in a while, go back, 
and have a listen, or even just Google the lyrics. It's not very nice. Then with, with the video, mm-hmm. there was this thing where the model that's in the video, Emily Ratajkowski, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I believe is how you pronounce it, she wrote a book, and in it, she said Thick had groped her during the filming of the video. So, you know, not very nice stuff all around. Didn't like the look of them. No. What is nice stuff, however is just how 2013-y the top films were. And you'll get what I mean. So, in America, everyone was off to see the number one film in the country. Will this series last? Who knows? It's Fast and Furious 6. (laughs) While in the UK, it was the conclusion to, if Roger Ebert was still here today, I'm sure he would call cinema's greatest trilogy... The Hangover. Yes, The Hangover Part 3. They did the first film again for a second time. That was getting everyone into picture houses up and down Cameron's Britain. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what was happening in the world on the 3rd of June, 2013. But now, let's chat about the game, shall we? In a segment we like to call Back of the Box. Firstly, the game in question is called Gunpoint. And some of you may be wondering, what is Gunpoint? It's 10 years ago, maybe you've uh, it, it passed you by. Well, Gunpoint is, in a sentence, a 2D trespassing simulator where you are a private investigator slash electrician that can jump really high and really fast. Mm-hmm. It released on the PC on the 3rd of June, 2013, as mentioned, and it came to... Mac and Linux a year and a bit later in August 2014. And now this is the part where I would normally say what is on the back of the physical box. But again, it's another one that doesn't have a retail version. So I only have boring Steam. But Steam says, quote, Gunpoint is a stealth puzzle game that lets you rewire its levels to trick people. You play a freelance spy who takes jobs from his clients to break into high security buildings and steal sensitive data. It's just too dry. It's too dry it for me. It it's, it's, it's excellent uh, uh, in telling you what the game is. It mm. serves its purpose. But it's not uh, sexy. I don't re- I'm not, you know, I'm not hyped up on that. I'm not going, fuck yeah, let's steal some sensitive data. You know, it's <laughs> Yeah, you just sort of think, oh, all right, I guess I will then. Really? Let's see if you get hyped up by my story synopsis of Gunpoint. Now, I will say, some of these story synopses have turned into just beat-for-beat recaps. So I'm going to try and pare these back a tad going forward because I don't think you need to know every little detail in the games we're talking about. And we can just bring up the relevant stuff in the story part of our review anyway. Mm. So this is a synopsis of the story of Gunpoint. We're going to talk about the differences that you can have in Conway with the dialogue options and conversations. This is just a breakdown of the events. So, Richard Conway is a spy for hire, which means he'll do jobs for whoever's paying. Gunpoint isn't just a series of odd jobs, though. It is this mystery that Conway unravels after being at the wrong place at the wrong time. So, it starts as Conway has just received his new pair of bullfrog hyper trousers, which allow him to spring up into the air. 
believe me, we're going to talk about them later. But basically, the first time he tries them out, he propels himself out of his flat and into the building of weapons manufacturer Rook Firearms next door. This is also where he witnesses a woman named Selena Delgado get murdered. Da, da, da. <laughs> what follows is a series of twisty turny goodness. So Conway does jobs for a number of different people, such as the CEO of Rook Firearms, Melanie Rook, who gets into a bit of a feud with Intech CEO Fritz Gessler, which is a name surely inspired by Hans Gruber. It just, it must be. <laughs> and at one point, you're doing jobs for both because Conway just cares about cash. Another story is one about Rook Firearms employee, Katie Collins, who is framed for the murder of Delgado by Rook's husband, Mark Jackson. Conway does a few jobs for her trying to get her off the hook, but ultimately he can't. And that's when the chief of police, Julian Mayfield, gets in touch. Mayfield wants Conway to track down CCTV of the night Delgado was murdered. So you do a few missions where you're essentially investigating yourself. I'll be talking about one of these missions later. You'll get a better bit of insight into what I'm talking about. Any game that has its funny hat firmly upon its head, the Katie Collins story does actually finish up quite dark because she takes her own life while she's in prison. Mm. But then, oh my word, the intrigue. Rook's husband, Mark Jackson, contacts Conway to tell him that Intex found out he was having an affair with Delgado. Ooh. Like an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> so Fritz Gessler's company were blackmailing him. They wanted Jackson to steal from Rook Firearms, basically. So Jackson took the money, but he was going to use it to run off with Delgado. Jackson says that Intex killed Delgado and that his wife is trying to frame him by leaking a doctored recording of him threatening Delgado. So the player has a choice. Either upload the full unedited recording, clearing Jackson, or don't do that. Because as Rook sees it, her husband isn't entirely innocent in all this. Whatever you choose to do, the final level ends with Conway going to Intex HQ to have a face-to-face -face with Delgado's murderer, or the person who ordered the hit at least, Intex CEO Fritz Gessler. Then Conway kills Gessler or incapacitates him, whatever, I kicked the door in his face. <laughs> and then Conway writes a blog about his experiences. Finn. And I know if you haven't played it, there's a lot of names, a lot of twisty turny, what's happening. But that pretty much sums up the story and we'll get on to what we thought of the story much later on in the episode. Now, the developer of this game and the publisher is one and the same. It is a company by the name of Suspicious Developments. The story of this, again, is a little bit different to what we've come across before on this podcast. So Suspicious Developments isn't one person. Or at least the Suspicious Developments games that have released are made by more than one person. It ranges from one to like five or six, I think. Just going off what I could find on pentadact.com. Mm. Now, pentadact.com is the website of the man who is more or less suspicious developments, from my understanding. So the game we're talking about today is the first game from the studio, Suspicious Developments, or, if you prefer, Tom Francis. Now, this wasn't Francis' first thing in games, per se, because... Francis had worked in the game's press for the nine years prior to Gunpoint coming out. So how he got the job? He was assembling skateboards at a warehouse and a job came up in PC Gamer in the UK. He didn't get that job, but he did get the next one that came along. And that job, quote, involved doing their cover discs, end quote. Hmm. I've tried to find conclusively whether that means designing the art or picking the games or whatever, 
And I, I really can't. About a year or two in, Francis became a writer at the magazine slash website and then he'd remain there until 2013. Sort of running parallel with that is Francis' dream of becoming a developer. Because from reading interviews, it's pretty clear it was this constant that always interested him. But he thought it was an, an impossibility. That was until 2005, when IGF winner and big critical success, the strategy game Darwinia was released. So in a 2013 interview with Giant Bomb that we're going to be uh, referencing later anyway, Francis said, quote, That's when I realised a game essentially by one guy is now one of my favourite games of all time. So that's a thing that a person can actually do. It started that seed of, hmm, hang on, games made by small teams can actually be as good as games made by huge teams. Then, Francis decided to actually take the plunge into development once he played 2009's Spelunky. So Derek Yu's indie classic, which I'm sure you're well aware of, was made in Game Maker, which is a development suite that's aimed at those who aren't, like, masters at programming. So Francis followed a couple of Game Maker tutorials that Yu had actually posted online, and he got cracking with his own video game using Game Maker. And, brilliantly for me... Francis chronicled almost every step of the process on his personal blog. So I didn't have to go far <laughs> to try and find things, you know. So what he started to create in Game Maker was actually called Private Dick, which obviously became Gunpoint. The first thing he wrote on his blog about the game was this, quote, I'm making a game. I will probably never finish it. But I thought I'd start talking about it anyway to keep my goals straight and to get feedback on my ideas as I go. It's worth remembering Francis is cracking on with this game whilst working a full-time job at PC Gamer. So he was making the game at the weekends and during weekday evenings. And as the popularity of the game grew pre-release, he was able to call on testers via mailing lists, uh, mailing lists that just grew and grew into the tens of thousands. And he brought people on to do art and sound on the game as well. But because there was no money at this stage, like the game isn't out, the people who came on agreed to a revenue split. And as Francis says in his blog, quote, Since Gunpoint was very successful, that's meant our artists and composers will get paid far more than they would have under a salary or commission basis. But that's kind of jumping ahead a little bit, I suppose. Uh, we'll talk about the sales in a second. But all through development, as well as the blog, Francis is uploading videos on YouTube one of which gets every major outlet's attention and results in him being contacted by Valve about getting the game on Steam. Things just went from strength to strength then, with Gunpoint even getting a nomination in the Excellence in Design category at the 2012 IGF Awards, which it actually lost out to the game that made Francis begin development, which was Spelunky. <laughs> anyway, as I said, Francis' blog is so in-depth, I couldn't possibly get through all of it before recording this podcast, but there are some things in it that we'll mention in a moment as well. So I think that just about tells you the story of suspicious developments up until the launch of the developer's very first game, Gunpoint. The sales of this one. I don't have cold hard numbers for you. I don't have that. But what I can tell you is that it essentially broke even after a few hours. Jesus. After a few hours of it being made available to pre-order, I should say, on the 27th of May. So even before the game came out. Now, it broke even, as Francis said, because the cost wasn't an awful lot. Like, the costs <laughs> were $30 for a copy of Game Maker 8 that he bought. He had a trip to GDC 
and he had a few contracts that had to be drawn up by a solicitor. A few thousand tops, like... But what I can tell you, like more concrete, was that the money it generated allowed Francis to quit his job and become a full-time developer, hmm. which tells you it made a decent chunk of change. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah, it did all right. Yeah. It did all right. And one final thing, the critical reception of this one on Metacritic, Gunpoint on PC, is sitting on an 83. Hmm. That is your Gunpoint back of the box. So we're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to talk about the marketing and press coverage around Gunpoint's release. So back in just a sec. So yes, let's get into how the press was covering Gunpoint and the marketing question mark around it. And I use the term marketing. It's it's a kind of marketing, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about that first. And it's something I referenced already, which is pentadact.com, which is the personal blog of Tom Francis. It was similar, I suppose, to what we were talking about a fortnight ago. It's total transparency. Mm. Blogs about, you know, as I said, he's reaching out to people for art and for music and even he's taking their submissions and he's putting all of them on the blog and going, you know, which which one do you like? And one thing on sound, in particular, the sound of the crosslink. The crosslink, we are going to talk about in depth, but the crosslink is Gunpoint's main hook. And very, very briefly, I'll explain it more later, but in the game, you press a button and you can rewire the circuits in a building. We'll talk more about it in a bit. In, in a bit. But I have a clip here for context, basically, Francis had put a call out asking if anyone wanted to make a sound for Crosslink, specifically the sound that would play when you in-game switch to Crosslink. So he put a video on his YouTube that's like 10 minutes in length. And here's all 10 minutes. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to play about a minute of Francis listening to different sound effects for the Crosslink. So take a listen to this. I quite like that one. That is maybe a better sound for stabbing somebody in a shower. Ooh, ooh. Yes. <laughs> That's an amazing noise, but I don't think it's going to work for crossing mode again because it's quite long and it's going to make a big deal of the mode switch. Fuck! Okay, I'm going to turn that down. Jesus. That sounds like a church for robots. Ooh, yes. That's excellent. <laughs> what an extraordinary noise. He's having a great time. <laughs> so so odd, like such a, such an odd kind of thing to just sit through and like I, I understandably so, like, you know, he is picking a very crucial part of the of the game, I guess, but uh like going through all of them, how how does he like go? That's the one. Like it's such a like yes, yeah. you need such a clear vision of like what you're going for, and some of them are obviously a bit over the top as you like he he he's laughing at him and stuff, but like it's so cool, so so cool. Either way, 
it was kind of all in vain because there is no noise. <laughs> the crosslink doesn't have a sound effect. It's it's about the music, which are, we are 100% going to talk about. But There's no noise. <laughs> but another thing Tom Francis is doing at this time is putting videos out on his uh, YouTube channel, not just kind of about the, the behind the scenes and the, the making of the game, but the game itself. There's one, is it an eight and a half minute video posted in November 2011? which sort of thrust gunpoint into the limelight. Every single outlet you can think of picked up on it. I, I won't play a clip on it here because it just, he basically says things that we will probably talk about anyway. But did either of you watch it? Yeah, watched, watched it. You can't not watch. It's a perfect slight. The way that he explains what the game is, it's the little demo I don't mean playable, just like a demo that that everyone must dream of for their game. Well, I guess people must dream that they have a gameplay hook like this game has anyway. But the way that he lays it out, you put that video on for 10 seconds and you watch all... And I was playing the game and I still watched the video. (laughs) He was also doing a lot of vlogging at this point in time. And I have a couple of clips here from a few of them. This first one I've included because I included a similar one when we spoke about Monaco. And when we were taking a look at Andy Schatz walking around his neighbourhood <laughs> and he spoke about the stealth genre and Tom Francis in a video called Why Are Stealth Games Cool? He speaks about the difference between an action game and a stealth game. And this was all in aid of a game jam centred on stealth games that blog Sneaky Bastards were doing. And if you actually watch the full video the Sneaky Bastards did, who pops up? Only our old pal Andy Shatz. It's Andy, back in the neighbourhood. I was overjoyed once again to see him walking around wherever it is, San Diego or whatever. Uh, But yeah, here is a clip of Tom Francis talking about the difference between stealth games and action games. If you're up against loads and loads of enemies, the action game answer is, well, it doesn't matter because your guns guns do more damage and uh, you're... You have regenerating health and they don't, and uh, their AI means they can't attack you aggressively, they have to hide behind cover and just sort of wait for you to kill them. And the scripting means that you've always got to jump on them, and all kinds of other like conceits like that that don't really... Even once you're used to them, they still ring false, like even to... Like, I've played a lot of action games on my time, and even now when I play a new Call of Duty, all of the bizarre artificial shit it does still stands out as bizarre and artificial and that just kind of spoils the fantasy for me I I just don't feel like I am that dude in Call of Duty I don't feel like I'm the guy who can shoot 35 men in a room without taking any hits or um, suffering any real consequences for it but with stealth games they focus on how you would actually approach being horribly outnumbered and outgunned uh, which is that you would fucking hide because <laughs> you can't take on that many people. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's just a bizarre fantasy to think, like, oh, I'm just going to mow down 150 people on this level and 250 on the next one. Uh, so stealth games are just a better way to capture that drama. It's, it respects the danger of the situation. Now, I would say sometimes it's nice to have a machine gun in your hands uh, you know it's that <laughs> yeah. power fantasy and to mow down people so I'm not I'm not poo-pooing all action games no, or whatever no. but I thought it was just <laughs> a nice pithy way of putting it it's how you would react 
you would fucking hide. Uh, yeah, I've never heard a justification of stealth ba- stealth games being sort of closer to realism before. Like, in this situation, <laughs> you would hide, so they're kind of more, you know, more truthful, more honest. It's not really a way I've ever thought about stealth games. To be honest, I think in real life, if I was outnumbered by a load of people with guns i don't even know if i'd hide i think i'd just sort of cry and immediately surrender but i mean if we're talking about sheer realism i don't even think i'd attempt to hide to be fair but you know that's just me i'm just putting that out Uh, another vlog that tom francis posted on the 26th of february 2013 and this is again kind of getting back to more gunpoint itself I have a clip here of Francis talking about how he had had a horrible experience trying to fix a load of things in the game, but ultimately the realisation that he does have a game now. And I I will say just prior to the clip I'm going to play, Francis is talking about how how he just wanted to go back in and play the game again from start to finish. And this was after he had added a lot of stuff and the thing was just absolutely banjaxed. I'm sure he even says something like games just decay over time. But yeah, here is a clip of Francis talking basically about the development process. When things go wrong and lots of things have gone wrong at the same time and then when you fix them, the fix doesn't work, not because it wasn't the right fix, but because two other things broke that you didn't know about yet and the way they broke exactly resembles the problem you were trying to solve. And so you've ended up with the same problem that you started with. So you feel like your fix hasn't worked and then you reverse your fix. You take away your fix because it didn't fix it. But actually you secretly fixed the real problem, but you were suffering from two completely unrelated different problems that have exactly the same symptoms. Oh my God. (laughs) And uh, so doing that amount of work of the the most kind of uh, brain melting kind and not making any progress through my to-do list. You know, this is one item. This is a one day thing. Um, and I hadn't done it after six days, um, is, like I say, draining. But it's done now. Um, you can now play through the whole game and it actually works, which uh, that wasn't a kind of checkpoint on my to-do list. It wasn't like a particular milestone because I kind of, to be honest, I assumed you already could do that, but I'd never done it. Um, or I hadn't done it for like a few months. Um, and now that I have done it, I'm suddenly like, Wow. <laughs> I've actually made a game like this this is the thing you can play now heartbreak and triumph all big time yeah it's good stuff his description of the of development sort of reminded me of me trying to make the crosslink work in key situations in gunpoint fixing one thing but then having <laughs> Right. And then having the motion sensor from a fella two floors down whack me in the face with a door, I thought, oh, I think, I've, I think I feel his pain. Of course I don't really, but you know. <laughs> well, talking about pain, I have another clip here from, again, Tom Francis' YouTube, which is on the 10th of June, 2013. So a lot of people very excited about the game. They've got their hands on the game. They're playing the game. Reviews are positive. But the clip I'm going to play you is Francis sort of reflecting on how some people aren't positive. And they're not positive because of tech issues. Because they've bought the game and it just doesn't work. So have a listen to this. I don't really think about the kind of the emotional aspect of like these people are angry with me because I failed them. They are saying you're a failure and you're terrible. And 
I'm okay with dealing with hate because I'm a games journalist. <laughs> I've reviewed games and people who've never played the game have been furious with me for the reviews. But that's funny because they're idiots. <laughs> people who pay me money for a game and then have not received a working game for them uh, is not at all funny and just the, uh, it's just a horrible feeling. It's just incredible crushing guilt and panic because I need to fix it. Like there's a sense of urgency, I've got to do something about this. And just this like horrible, nasty feeling of when someone's angry at you and they're right. Like that really doesn't happen much. Not because I'm not wrong about things, but because I'm also incredibly arrogant. So <laughs> someone's angry at me, I usually think, yeah, but you're an idiot. <laughs> but this time people are furious, well not furious, but like some people are really pissed off. Some people are very, very reasonable about it, but that's you know just as bad for me. It hurts just as, just as much when someone's uh, you know suffering because of my failure but not angry with me, that's as bad as someone who is angry. And in both cases, what really stings is I'm just like, right, this is terrible. There's a sense of like those clips where I'm just like, oh, you really feel from, and you're just kind of going, Tom, don't, don't panic. It'll be grand. Don't <laughs> panic. We'll, we'll have, we'll have a point. It'll be fine. But like, you know, it, I don't know. It's one of, it's, it's, it's a class. It seems to be a class thing. Like with these indie games, like the, the pressure of just like, it's all it feels like it's just all on just them this mm. one person and yeah if like i'm sure a lot of people would feel the same like you're kind of going, i don't want to ruin people's i don't want to just take people's money when they don't have a product that doesn't work like so you're probably not going to sleep and now i'm panicking and i want to make sure it's all okay so you feel for a man it like you know big time mm. and also i mean even in that video like in elsewhere in that clip he he mentions you know like so many of the so many of the problems aren't even on his end. You know, he's like, well, I've yeah, fixed yeah. it. It's to do with different PCs and different configurations and all mm. sorts of, you know, frame buffer allocation, all sorts of stuff where he, <laughs> he sort of wants to throw up his hands, but he, he, you do feel his pain because he, sa- he says, for so- you know, for some reason that, that doesn't make me feel less guilty though. Yeah. But yeah, launch must just be a nightmare. And uh, now we turn our attention to what the press was saying or what... Tom Francis himself was saying to the press in the lead up to Gunpoint's release and in some cases just slightly afterwards. So on the 30th of January 2013, in an article titled Road to the IGF, uh, Tom Francis's Gunpoint on GameDeveloper.com, previously Gamma Sutra, um, Tom was asked whether his background in games press helped him with his development. And Francis said, quote, It definitely helped. Keeping up to date with everything everything interesting that comes out and having a few gaming friends who get you into stuff you might not have tried otherwise. It's useful for judging whether your idea is unusual enough to be interesting. I don't know if Gunpoint's main mechanic would work in practice, but I knew if it did, it would at least be unusual. End quote. And that is certainly something you can say about Crosslink. We'll say other mm. things about it, but it definitely is mm. from the first moment you're like, ha, huh, okay, what's mm-hmm. this about? Mm. Then you dive in, you try and figure it out. Francis also did an interview with GI.biz in the 8th of July, 2013, in an article called Interview at Gunpoint. And France was asked, again, kind of similar, not, not his background in the press, but he was asked if his connections in the press helped him. And Francis said, quote, Dealing with the press was an eye-opener because they're fantastic when they do write about the game. 
But when they don't write about the game, it's hard not to take it personally. When I had preview code ready, I emailed 23 different outlets, websites and magazines, and only three of them covered it, and the other 20 didn't even respond for the first four days. As a journalist, when you don't reply to stuff like that, you think, yeah, I'll get to it. It made me realise when you're the developer, you feel like a lack of response is them saying, fuck you, we don't care about your game, go away, you tiny man. <laughs> Which I, I, I get how you would take it yeah. like that. But it is true, when you are working in the press mm. and yeah. you're getting so many emails you do think, I'll get back to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a Grand Theft Auto trailer out today and Lord knows we're in the fucking search engine optimization business, pal. So I need to to look (laughs) after that. And then I'll get to this other thing. But then sometimes you don't. And you might have great intentions to, but it does just get lost through the cracks. Obviously enough, you know, in the end, we can say Gunpoint didn't get lost. And it, it, it did definitely get found by, by many people. Then in an interview on the 30th of July 2013 with Eurogamer, uh, an article called The Universal Systems of Tom Francis, Francis said this about one of the biggest complaints that critics had about the game. And I know, Adam, you wanted to bring... We, we'll talk about it more in yeah, depth yeah. later because I know it's a point you wanted to bring up. But just for context, this is what Francis said about the length of Gunpoint. He said, quote, The primary complaint about Gunpoint from almost everyone is that it's too short. And I kind of agree with it. If I had an easy way to make it twice the length, which would legitimately add interesting things rather than just repeat itself, then I would do that. By the end of Gunpoint, I regretted not doing a procedural level generator because the reason I didn't do it is because I thought, well, that would be really hard. And the implicit assumption in that is that the handcrafting of content won't be really hard. Ha! Handcrafting content is incredibly hard. Yeah, I really, I want to sort of grab Tom Francis by the lapels and just say, no, 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 (laughs) no, don't listen to those fools. You did everything right. And one final thing from this section on the press, posted on the 22nd of August, 2013, Francis did an interview with Giant Bomb. I'll play you a clip from this interview where Francis is talking about how his experience of reviewing games with bad stories made him want to make Gunpoint's story optional. So take a listen to this. I tried to write a story in Gunpoint that uh, people wouldn't want to skip, but then I also let them skip it. Like, you can skip everything. Like, every time anyone opens their mouth, you can just say, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You have the option to literally hang up on them mid-conversation. Even if there's going to be a massively important plot decision to make later in that conversation, you can just hang up before you even get to it because I, um, I'd reviewed so many games where I just didn't give a shit about the plot. And the game obviously assumed I would give a shit about the plot and made all of its stuff unskippable. And uh, you just realize, like, no matter how determined you are for the player to enjoy your plot, it's not worth actually forcing them to. <laughs> like, if they don't like it and they want to skip it, they're not going to get anything out of it by you forcing them to watch it. Like they, they've already disengaged at that point. They already hate you. They already, they just want to play the next bit of the game. So there's no point in trying to force them to, to see your story. Um, so if they don't like it, just let them skip it. Let them get to the actual game, which is the important thing. Francis also did a vlog kind of similar to this, talking about story in games and how a game will introduce an incredible gun or something and it'll teach you how to use it and look at all these cool things that your gun can do. 
but then the game will go, you can't use that gun on person X because person X is pivotal <laughs> to the plot. And if I'm remembering correctly, he says something in the vlog about how some developers take the, the kind of open-endedness of games and they try to cram it into this narrow, linear story tube mm. in the AAA space. I found it an interesting point that, like, you know, yeah, you've, you, you think you've created this incredible narrative, but the, the player has made, they've already made the decision. Like, you have lost them. Like, mm. they don't want the story. They want to play the game. So, yeah just make it optional yeah I, I i and i agree you know like don't don't force them i will say that specifically for gun for gunpoint um i think it was perfectly pitched i, I know we'll, we'll sort of we'll, we will get on to the to the to the story in the in the next kind of section um but yeah it's uh it's it, it for, for for me it's um this is like a case in point of you can tell, or I think you can tell, it could just be because I've watched loads of the fella talking on a load of vlogs, but that the, the, the entire, exp- that the story was written around the experience of play. It really hit home for me when he talked about people buying a new game and they take it home and then they, the first thing they do is watch, you know, five, ten minutes of unskippable cutscenes. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, forcing them to eat their vegetables or something. Um and it's it's so much more of a kind of organic approach. This just writing it, it's there if you want it to be there, and it sort of wraps perfectly around what you're doing. But mechanic mechanics always kind of win the day, uh, which is a very kind of just refreshing, almost Nintendo-y approach. Just mechanics, 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 and for this game, perfect. Lovely. There's a little teaser as we take uh, a quick little break before we come back to you, dear listener, with our thoughts. Mm. What we actually thought of Gunpoint. So yeah, back just a tick. All right then, we've set up Gunpoint. You know everything there is to know about the game, but you don't know how it plays. And that's what this section is for. And also the one after that, because I think there'll, there'll be a break between these two bits normally. But first, before we talk about our thoughts on the game, I want to know what, did, like, did, did you know what Gunpoint was before you played it for this podcast? Adam Carroll, were you familiar with Gunpoint? Yes, I was. But um, I, I, what's weird about it is I, I knew nothing about this game. I didn't know how it played before, obviously, playing for the pod. All I all I have ever seen was the one and only uh, image, which is basically the Steam Store logo, which shows Conway with a gun pointing uh, pointing it at a, a, a cop who's also doing the same thing. That was it. Knew nothing about it other than people were quite into it, um, and that was that. And uh, like no, like you know. If you look at the list of games that came out in 2013, there was a lot of big That's ones that came out. a tough year to release a it's video a game, big, isn't it? big, year. And I think, like, you know, it, it might have been it, it, circulating around the place where people were like, oh, gunpoint, gunpoint, gunpoint. But then all of a sudden it was like, and here's The Last of Us. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> and you just kind of like spiral out and you kind of start playing those ones. But yeah, that's that's all I ever knew about it. Didn't know how it looked. Well, I suppose I did in that image, but the, the, the bigger scale of it, I guess, and how it played. Had no idea about it. What about you, Josh? 
I knew that uh, it was a former games journal. I think, was Tom Francis actually like the editor of PC Gamer, the magazine at least? I think he was actually... He was the reviews editor. The reviews editor, right, right. Well, um, I think I was aware of that because that is, it's one of those things that sticks in, it's like um, Greg Kasavin who um mm-hmm. yeah know, super joint sort of, yeah 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 and uh, i couldn't think of any other sort of like notable it's an interesting little career pipeline but certainly yeah greg casavin and tom francis uh both both of whom have turned out some cracking video games so i guess that's the that's the takeaway review them first and then make them uh, but, but uh, probably yeah. wouldn't work in every case. I think. But yeah. <laughs> no, I'd turn out an absolute shitter if I tried to make a game. <laughs> but no, I had heard of it. But like Adam, I didn't actually know what it entailed, uh, and I and I had absolutely no hope that year. That year was ludicrous for things. To to, to I mean, even indie games. It was like Papers yeah, yeah. Please came out that year. It's like, oh Christ, poor old Tom Francis has got no hope. Never mind the triple A's. He's, Papers, please, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, and Gone Home, wasn't it? Yeah, Gone Home came out as well. Yeah, mad. Anyway, and, and the game we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, Monaco, what's yours is mine. Also, yes. twenty thirteen. Yeah, Christ, Andy Schatz and Tom Francis slugging it out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but you knew about it, Cullum. I liked your, I liked your tweet about it. Yes, so I played it at the time. Ooh. I did. I did think. Oh, I'm very in the know. Me. Uh, I thought that I I had written something about it on the internet, and I googled. I tried to find it, and I was like, maybe I didn't. And the only thing I could find was a Twitter. And on the fifth of July, twenty thirteen, at three fifteen p.m., Colin Mahern said the words, "Quote." I quote myself, "Lads, lads, lads, lads. Gunpoint is terrific." That's all I said. That's all I can find of what I've said about Gunpoint on the internet. That's all that needs to be said. You've, you've. You know that they, I will. I will say. I'll caveat that right with this was ten years ago. So yes. has my mind changed? Mm. It, it may. It may have. We we will find out. But I checked my Steam before I. I well, I booted up Steam to to play this. But on the uh, Gunpoint page, Steam said the last time I had played the game was on the 23rd of September, 2013. So a couple of months after that, that July tweet. And like, I didn't eke this game out over two to three months. <laughs> so I might have went back for funsies. I don't know. But also, worth pointing out, the version of Gunpoint I played in July of 2013 was updated in June 2014. Now, from what I've been able to find out, Nothing as major as, as the Monaco update, I believe. Mm. The game got a new engine and that was said to improve it just overall technically. And Steam Workshop was added as well. I should say that. But huh. from what I gather, like, you know, level layout didn't change. or the, the, there, was, there was nothing like that. So it, it is a, 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 maybe a better playing version of the game I played 10 years ago, but still the game I played 10 years ago. So for those that didn't play along at home, I should maybe give you a little bit of a rundown as to what Gunpoint is. So Gunpoint is a 2D stealth puzzle game where you play as the private investigator that has has been mentioned a couple of times now, Richard Conway. There are about 20 different missions in the game, each with a very simple objective. The objective is commonly infiltrate a building, hack a computer or steal an item, and then escape to the subway and end level. 
That's it. Importantly, you must do all that without being seen because once a guard sees you, he will shoot you dead with <laughs> the immediacy of a cheetah who is very good at shooting people with guns. <laughs> he is lightning fast. So basically, if you're seen, you're dead. Uh, you do have two main gadgets at your disposal. One, the bullfrog trousers and two, the crosslink, which has been mentioned a couple of times. The hyper trousers allow you to leap up into the air and onto roofs of three-story buildings or onto walls or whatever you fancy. They just allow you to jump with gusto. The crosslink allows you to rewire the circuitry in a building. So to the best way, it's a quite a visual thing, but I'll give you one example. So you can connect a light switch to an electronic door so that whenever someone flicks the light switch, said door will open. There are other things you can do, and I promise you we will talk about those things in the next section in depth. But yeah, that's pretty much gunpoint. So now is the part of the show where we actually review the game, and we split it up into different sections. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the stealth of gunpoint, then we're going to talk about the boom boom, which is typically the other gameplay aspects. We're going to talk about the most noteworthy mission or level, and we're going to talk about the story, what we thought of that, and then we're going to talk about miscellaneous, any other points we have to bring up. So let's start by chatting about the stealth, lads. And I, if I could be so bold, I wanted to start off by kind of talking about how the stealth is insta-fail, but how it works here. Because, I will say, like, there are very few games where insta-fail stealth is good. Mm. Like, in fairness, most of the games... Most, all maybe, of the games we, we've talked about here. Maybe not all, but most of them, when you're seen, they give you a chance to, like, claw back your your hidden status. Yeah. Like in Assassin's Creed, Ghost of a Tale, whatever. You're seen, run away, uh, break line of sight, hide in something, and then you're free to pootle about again. But yeah, uh, then there are the games where it is capital M, capital F, mission failed as soon as you're spotted. And in most cases, it's just no good. But Gunpoint <laughs> has, it, it has insta-fail. Now, the reason it works here, a couple of reasons. One, the, the rules are very simple. Like, mm. if a guard is pointing your direction, they have seen you, done, and they will kill you on sight. And that, and that is obviously something that's much easier to convey in 2D. With these rules, like, you never feel cheated. The difference between success and failure is communicated by the game from the very first mission, from the very first guard that you come across. So take for that. Another reason is that when you die, you're given multiple options uh, to restart and without any hesitation. So like when you're shot dead, the game will allow you to reload one of three different autosaves And it will even tell you how many seconds ago these autosaves are from. So it'll be like two seconds, seven seconds, 12 seconds. And then there'll be another option that will allow you to restart a level. And I mean it, like this is as fast as those cheetah guards with the guns. It is (laughs) incredible. There's no faffing around with loading screens Mm. or anything like that. You're going back as quick as you were shot, basically. And I know it's something that, sort of stood out to you as well, Josh, is something that you were like, 
this is great. I'm back in the action as soon as I was put out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I also, it's good for the avoidance of frustration. Because I agree with you, insta, insta fail very very rarely a good thing and if you're gonna do it have no loading put me straight back in that's great but also i think and sort of reminded me a little bit of hotline miami when you know that you can um pretty much just jump straight back in at the moment things turn sour you then just begin to not be as precious you just try absolutely bonkers shit and if it doesn't work, you just think that's fine because I can load two seconds, nine seconds, or just the whole thing straight away. So mm-hmm. I would have failed runs where I would be trying to faff with the crosslink and do things, and it would all come tumbling down. And then because failure didn't matter a great deal, I would then have a immediately I just go, right, fuck this. I'm getting the bullfrog hyper trousers. I'm going mental. And I just went through <laughs> smashing through windows and just thumping people in the head. And that's great. That's just great. <laughs> so if you, yeah, if you're going to do that, it, it, insta fail, sure, but insta load. And that's a thumbs up from me. <laughs> yeah, big time. Like, I guess. I mean, I feel like I probably explained it anyway, but like the stealth is probably the easiest stealth to explain of any of the games here. Like it is line of sight, but as I said, like line of sight. (laughs) If if they see you, you are dead. You are just donezo. Oh, it works so well. I know you were impressed by the the sharp shooting of the guards, Adam, and just the, the AI in general, were you? Yeah, it kind of blew my mind, if I'm honest, because like... What I enjoyed about it is that the game doesn't overwhelm you with a ton of enemies per level, Mm. which is something that it could have absolutely done to up its challenge, especially when you're using a thing like the crosslink. But it's always like kind of, I don't know, maybe six or seven enemies like, you know, and it's it's Mm. it's not the like most difficult to get around that, you know, that's it. But it's because of having then that insta kind of like jumping back in. Uh, all a save situation that it allows the game to have its AI being so ridiculously sharp and like I know we're saying it now like like you know that the sharp shooting side of it but like there were moments where I was kind of like like all right I'm, I'm up I'm up on the roof here and there's two guys kind of because they're only they're it, for, for people who haven't played it like they're not like like looking up and down they're just going back and forth that's all mm-hmm. they're doing left and right so they're not really looking up and seeing like you up up there and they don't shine the light up none of that stuff is happening but it's it's almost like there were certain occasions where like I was on a roof or a ceiling in a in a room whatever two guys would come along and like I could be a second like a, 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 like a small little millisecond like ahead of the the, the right side say or something and they like it's like the peripheral vision just be like, he's there bang and you'd be like <laughs> what you'd be like Jesus Christ I was like okay and then you, you I'd do the same thing but I might kind of just kind of just hold back a small bit or else I'd follow their pattern of walking and stuff like that and that was kind of blowing my mind that like it was that sharp now I'll get to something later on again like it's a similar point but it's to do with using a certain weapon um and like a certain guard coming out then, but like there was so many things like um you could call an elevator, and when the elevator comes, like there could be a guy there, 
uh, an enemy waiting. He'll he'll react to the noise of the uh, of the lift coming down or something like that, which is not really like the most like groundbreaking thing. But what's really cool is that like if you're trying to like navigate your way through the the floor, let's say, and the enemy is just like facing that direction by doing the kind of whole making the noise kind of stuff with the other he'll turn and stay that direction then so and mm-hmm. it, i like the way the game doesn't it, it doesn't tell you that yeah like it doesn't outright it tells you a couple of things but it doesn't outright tell you that it's just you start noticing you go oh and you kind of like i remember when i did it first i was like there and i went oh he turned the other way that's brilliant but then i kind of stayed there going <laughs> i'll wait here two minutes though just to see if he'll go back <laughs> and he doesn't but like it can easily go like completely haywire all of a sudden then by another mistake so like uh, the AI like I couldn't fault and it never it never got frustrating like it never mm. got frustrating because of how it was designed like the how the AI was designed it gets frustrating because I, I, I may have chose to gone this way about it like you know and like, like as you were saying Josh you know it's great crack to just like blow through a window yes it is we'll get to that but like um, <laughs> that obviously results in Complete carnage. Yeah. So like this, the stealth mechanic throughout with the AI, I think is incredibly tight, incredibly tight. I, 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 I was floored by how good it actually was. I was floored 10 years later by the crosslink. Yeah. And we've mentioned it loads. I'm going to try and describe this very visual thing to people as best as possible. But let me tell you, dear listener, this thing is an absolute gift. So it comes into play very, very early on. It is described in game as an app on your phone that allows you to rewire the circuitry in a building. I gave you the the gist of it earlier, but it just feels so fresh and marvellous now this year, you know, a decade after the game came out. I cannot stress enough. I adore this thing. (laughs) So normally... In the game, you'll see pretty much the entirety of the building that you're meant to infiltrate at the start of a level. It's kind of a bit like a TV set in that the rooms of each building have three walls, at, at least as you're looking at it. So you see the general outline of rooms, where guards are placed, doors, etc., etc. Then, in the game, when you press Alt, if I'm remembering correctly, what you're looking at changes. The building and the rooms are still there, but they're now shrouded in this sort of... Um, detective vision shit. Uh, yeah, you know. kind of detective vision, kind of, yeah, black and blue hue. Yes. A little bit reminiscent of maybe the kind of blueprint motif we spoke about with Monaco. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, while everything is black and blue, there's a new thing on the map that you can see. You see lines drawn from switches to electronic devices in the building. To flesh out the example I used um, a while ago with the light switch. So, you'll see a red line drawn from a button on the wall to a light on the ceiling. So, if you flick that switch, it'll turn on or off that light. But, if you activate the crosslink, you're able to disconnect that line and instead connect the light switch to, for example, a socket that's on the wall. So when you flick that switch, that socket will get a surge of electricity and any guard standing in front of it will be shocked and just drop like a sack of spuds. <laughs> I mean, e- even turning lights off is handy because kind of similar to what you were saying, Adam, like you quickly learn that a stationary guard will be spooked if you turn off a light and then they'll begin patrolling back and forth. And then that might allow you to 
bypass them more easily because it will get them to turn their back on the area of the building that you uh, need to get through. I, I, I even enjoy when they when you turn off the light and like they walk over, like as you said, they're, they're, you can see they're spooked and they kind of frantically flick the switch of the light. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It's great. But like the, the game doesn't just allow you to do whatever you want from the off. Like that soccer thing I mentioned, like that's an upgrade. And like, like I, you know, I mentioned when you complete missions you're doing jobs, so you're getting cash. So you spend those cash on upgrades for your for your crosslink. Another upgrade is uh, it allows you to rewire enemy guns. Like you can crosslink their guns to a light switch or a lift or a door or whatever. So when they pull the trigger, that will trigger the light to come on or the door to open or whatever. Like it is just... A, a joy in being able to play around and see what works and how things work together because mm. I'm even breaking it down to its most basic part. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Because like, if you want to, you can wire a switch to a light, to a door, to a socket, to a gun. You can <laughs> daisy chain. You Don't do this in real life. No. But in gunpoint, daisy chain that motherfucker all you want. Mm. Like, it's... like, <laughs> and, and even another thing as well, I should say, the game doesn't just allow you to rewire whole buildings from the off. Like in most levels, appliances will be on different circuits. Yeah. So it'll be shown, shown in the game as different colours. So in order to gain the access to the blue wired electronics, you must first interact with a blue circuit box. And that'll be somewhere in the building. And you do that and then that'll open up all the blue wired devices in the crosslink and blah, 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 blah. Like later on in the game, you could be dealing with maybe three, four different colours potentially. But like each building, each level is just one big puzzle that has like these series of teeny tiny ones of how do I get to that floor? Okay, connect that switch to that light to that blah, 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 blah. And like gloriously, my solution, maybe it wasn't, but there's a possibility in a couple of the levels, my solution was different to your solution, Josh, which was different to Adam's solution. Mm. It's just Oh, hook it to my veins. I, <laughs> I adored it. I, I know one specific thing about the crosslink was the emergent uh, stuff that can happen, Josh, that you wanted to mention. Oh, man. Yeah, and so when you start to really kind of, I mean, you, you sort of said you scratch the surface there, but like when you really start to do some nutty daisy chains, some of the stuff that happened to me just by accident, so I would have... There are motion sensors in the levels and the guards will walk to them. But I would hook, say, I don't know, the motion sensor up to a lift uh, and then I would hook that lift to a light switch on a floor below which would spook the enemy below and make that enemy then start walking up and down, which meant that he would go through a motion sensor. So I hooked that motion sensor back up to a trap. There are solutions where you don't, you don't even realise what's happening. Like I've accidentally knocked guards out <laughs> by opening doors in their faces. I I think I discovered the electrical, when, when you sort of, you can hook something up to an electrical socket and shock them. I can't remember. I think I discovered that more or less by accident on one of my mad daisy chain sprees. But and I would have things where, uh, you, you know, say you'll have to leap through a, a, a trap door to make your escape once you've completed your objectives. I would have um, moments where I accidentally would have a motion sensor 
uh, or a switch make the trap door open. But then I would accidentally, one thing we should say about the crosslink is it matters which direction you link it in. If you link a switch to, say, a trap door, it will say, oh, well, flicking the switch will open the trap mm. door. But if you link the trap door to the switch, it will say, well, the trap door will activate this. Like it, so you, can, you can get like a mad cyclical thing where you can open and close doors forever or make lifts run up and down buildings forever, which really confuses your enemy. <laughs> it really confuses your enemies. And I'm surprised. Um, I mean, it's rare. People make a big deal of... I remember Metal Gear Solid 5 and things like Breath of the Wild uh, were really sort of held up for their sort of emergent possibilities. You know, solutions spring out that you think the developers hadn't even intended. Um, and I th- I'm surprised that th- the only thing I can think of in, say, like the big blockbuster space that, that even kind of remotely resembles this would be something like Watch Dogs. Um, but it is amazing how Cullum, because you was, you were sort of say, oh, you know, it's been, it's been 10 years and this is still so fresh and it's mad that no one's cribbed this. Mm-hmm. I can only think of just, I, I think watchdogs is like, you know, you've got the detective vision, you can yeah, have yeah. different stuff, but, but it's nowhere near, I mean, and I don't know how you'd properly do the crosslink in a 3d space without, you'd need to it relies on an elevated viewpoint and it being in two dimensions to make it very clean and easy. But yeah, yes, a, yeah. a brilliant vehicle for it, for, for emergent, like nutty solutions and comedy. Um, and yeah, su- surprised that it's, you know, still pretty singular. It's the only thing I can think of that does it. There is a bit of a knack to it though, or at least at first. Yes. When you were first given the power of the crosslink, Adam, were you like, hang on a sec, what what is going on here? Oh, absolutely. Because look, I'll be honest. Like as soon as I started playing the game and realized like the best trousers in town, I was like, <laughs> why, why all of a sudden have I am I not bouncing around in my trousers for the whole game? Like you know. So when when this happened, I was like, okay, okay, all right. What's this little mechanic? And do you know it it did take some time. And then when I realized, oh, this is this is actually probably I think this is here to stay. Like, cause I thought that this was going to be a case of, um, I'm in, I'm Inspector Gadget. So I'm going to have a ton of these kind of things, <laughs> yeah. do you know? So there's, this is just, an, this is the first introduction of this particular yeah. thing. And I'm going to use this in this level and probably use it later on if I want to gain. But when I realized it was the whole thing, I was like, okay. And I, I have to say, I, I didn't know where, how I felt about it for the first, um, like first four or five levels. I was a bit like, okay, okay. when. I realised then, when I was getting the hang of it or getting into it in general, I was kind of like, all right, okay, okay, this is this is a bit of fun. Because as you were saying, Josh, you know, when you when you put the cursor over any kind of like area of the, the level when you're doing it and it's telling you, oh, mm. it's a light switch or it's this, I was... It, like I was like, oh, there's actually there's quite some depth to this. Is there? Is there? Or am I just going crazy? What's happening? So I was like, okay, I really focus on this now and do my bits and bobs. Then I started going a bit too mental with it and realised I was just doing a load of lines everywhere. And then, because like, I was like, what am I at? Because then all of a sudden I noticed, Adam, the door that you want open has been open for the last five minutes. What are you doing? Just go in there and hack the computer and off you go. Drunk on your own power. Yeah, because when you realise you can just torment the, the, the crew and stuff, I was like, this is an absolute barrel of laughs. But one thing yeah. I'll say that's a, a kind of a testament to its design in general as well is that like 
even though the crossing opens up so much like absolute banter um great strategy all that i love and i mean i love this that it does not it's not the the sole thing you have to do to get through that level and that to me is like fantastic because you can like there's there's so many options to it but then you could at the end of the day just be like but if you just get that door open there go in there now and throw yourself out the window but then kind of climb up the wall come yeah. around open it you'll be in there then you'll be sorted and I love that like it does require thinking and it's overall blueprint design and everything like that is it's it's fantastic when it all clicks like because when, when I started the game I suppose we'll talk more about this in the, in the boom section but I think when I started the game noticing how I could jump around the place the, the height that I could I was like whoa I was like what's going on here this is mighty crack brilliant yeah. and then when it really slows down so quickly I was like oh okay yeah but yeah, um, yeah I, I, I totally agree with what both you say about it it's it's it is absolutely fantastic when it works. But is it as good as the light switches? <laughs> Josh Wise, on our document here, you just have huge fan of light switches in games. Please discuss. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad because the thing is, light switches are unsung heroes. Ever since I, pl- I remember playing the first Splinter Cell, you know, that game's all about shooting out the lights because you've got the night vision goggles and you shoot out the lights and the enemies, you know, they can't see you, but you can see them. And it's all it's all bloody good fun. But I remember the first time that I realised in Splinter Cell going, and I can't, well, I can't remember where it was, but at one point, just seeing the light switch on the wall and realising that that was, that that was interactive. And it's just this lovely little moment of like, I am a super secret fella <laughs> and I do have a silenced gun and that's really cool. But also there's just a switch on the wall and everyone uses light switches. It's an everyday item. It's it's almost boring, but that's brilliant. Something about it, it's like, it's classy. It's cool. It's just, all I did was turn out the light, you know, Nelly mm-hmm. Furtado style. And uh, was, it Nelly, was it Nelly Furtado? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. It was, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, completely confused them, and that's that's brilliant because there's nothing super about it. It's just boop, and they can't, and and you're gone. Uh, just genius, and you're paying attention to the environment. You're spotting the light switch. It kind of really grounds you in that space. Makes it, it just make, makes the place kind of pop out a little bit more. I just love little little details like that make it for me. It's kind of almost like the anchor of each level. Mm. At least for me, it was like, right, where's the first light switch that I can get? Okay, it's there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing I can interact with and then manipulate other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of binary. Yeah. So that's what we thought of the stealth of gunpoints. We're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to chat about the boom boom and the level that stood out to each of us. So yeah, we'll be back in just a sec. All right, that's enough sneaking around. Let's get loud. Let's smash some windows and let's talk about the boom boom of gunpoint and Yes, I did want to talk first about jumping because <laughs> I and we, we you know, we, we've spoken about Crosslink enough. We've given it enough love. So let's talk about the other gadget that you have, which is the Bullfrog Hyper Trousers. And <laughs> whilst I will say the Crosslink is the main event, those trousers do deserve some love as well because mm-hmm. they are a delight. And yeah. for the people who didn't play, 
how it works. You hold down the left mouse button and then simply you aim Conway like he's a grenade and you let that boy fly through the air. <laughs> and that's it. And he goes flying through the air, through windows, into guards. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, you just use your springy bottoms to get up on top of a roof or a ceiling or you can even scale the outside walls of a building like your feckin' Spider-Man. Yeah, that's also one thing that, like, we should... <laughs> it'd be remiss not to mention, like, the bullfrog jump is nuts, but the guy also has super gloves on and it <laughs> is just, like, you can just walk across all ceilings and walls as well as the jump. So, yeah, just put that out there. <laughs> it's It's a delight. But, yeah, Adam, I know you really took to the... The springy trousers of Conway. When are H&M stocking these pants? Like, <laughs> holy smokes. I couldn't get over the pants. Like, mm. I, I just, I was just like, what is going on here with, like, the, the jump? I was like, this is crazy. For me, it was the discovery of diving towards uh, a guard or an enemy, right? And... This was by pure mistake because I was kind of a bit trigger happy when I realized I could spring everywhere, you know. So I was kind of like, <laughs> Jesus, because the controls itself, once again, they're extremely tight. Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. I think you can you can shoot Conway like anywhere and it's 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 fairly solid, you know. Um, But like I, by mistake, tapped the, the mouse button and shot towards a guard who was standing <laughs> by uh, a window that... That led Conway to just kind of like do a Superman dive, I guess, towards him to just <laughs> launch him out the window. And what's so cool about it is it it's like the camera follows follows the whole drop down. And I think it feels amazing. It looks amazing. And in my mind, because it happened, I think, like within the like second level, I think I did it. And I was there going, I hope to God. I can do this all the time. Like, I hope that was just not just a moment. (laughs) I hope that this is something that I can do constantly. And you can. And it feels it never it never gets boring. It never got boring. And I think the sound around the glass shattering and stuff, it's it's just so satisfying. So satisfying. I think you bring up a really good point, Adam, as well, with the because the thing is, and Cullum's right, like the 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 crosslink. I guess you would have to say that the crosslink is the main event, but for those that for that experience that you described, I had exactly the same thing. Like for the first level, maybe the first couple levels, the jump was the main event. The jump was incredible. Oh, yeah, well, you don't even have the crosslink for the first. Thing. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh well, yeah, you could build a whole game around this jump, and that would be a very very fun video game. You know, there are two mechanics that you could build a whole game around, and and but this game has both of them, and yeah. one of them does kind of clamp down on the other one a little. Um, it is crosslink heavy, and. You know, that amazing freedom I felt early on was, you know, lessened a, a, a little bit as, as, as you went. It was definitely became the crosslink game. <laughs> and part of me was a little bit sad about that. <laughs> That's why it kind of took a while to warm to the crosslink in general because I was like, oh, what? But when I kind of started mastering, as I said, but like, that was great. But what's so cool about the jump is that 
it's it's a complete strategy as well. Like, and there was one level in particular where there was like um glass roof and the, the glass windows in this are they're quite thin, you know, so you could miss them sometimes, you know. But there was one particular one that was on a rooftop and I was kind of like scaling the roof back and forth and I was kind of going, <laughs> hang on. I wonder, can I do this? So there was an enemy <laughs> kind of like underneath the glass. So I just shot myself up and I went right down through the glass on top of the enemy. And I was like, oh, if Tom Francis was here right now, I'd actually high five him. I'd be like, unreal. Can't believe that worked. And that kind of like discovery alone for, for, for that mechanic as well was just, was just banging all together. Like really, really good. You were talking about kicking lads off of like two and three story floors and through windows. And that is great. But it is also good just to pounce on a guard and hammer him until the end of time, isn't it? <laughs> I laughed so much when this happened. Like, like oh. there's no real reason why you can just cave his face in What's forever. genius is that one punch is all you actually need to yeah, knock them out. But well, that's you have what I was going to say. Like, yeah, one punch and they're knocked out. And I don't know how many, but a couple of punches kills him because you'll basically see blood in the floor. But if you want to punch him a further 500 times, it doesn't help or hinder you, but it's great crack. Oh, so, so fun. Big, big fan of optional violence like that. (laughs) I laugh so much because it feels like when you first discover the the level of violence that you can produce in that moment, I think it's one of those situations where I felt like I was like, knock the enemy down, bang. And you kind of go, click, punch. And you kind of go, click, click, punch, punch. And you're like, okay, what's the story? And you kind of feel like you're doing something wrong. The guy is clearly out. And then you go, click, 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 And you see that little pool of blood coming out and stuff. It's just like, it's violence that's just hilarious. And just, I would often not, not punch them to death, but would punch them out. And then just for good measure, just give them like, two or three extra thumps in the head Mm. Uh, just to be sure but that was also down to it's got an excellent sound when you hit them in the head it it, it sounds like a childish little slap (laughs) and it's just the most satisfying little wet fish round the face like (laughs) i just slapstick a bit of slapstick i just think goes 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 a long way in games and humor is is it like every every part of gunpoint and I, and I, yeah, I would do. You know what it reminded me of? Actually, here's a here's a fucking deep cut. Uh, Siphon filter one. Okay. You you could use the taser to zap people out in a non-lethal way. Yes. But the yes. brilliant thing about siphon filter one was if you held the button down for as long as you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they would just start smoking and then burn into flames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just optional, outrageous violence. Um, every now and again is absolutely in order. <laughs> Another thing that's been ordered there is like the, the animation in this moment is so funny. Like the way the fists are just going so fast, but it's yes, it's the yeah. it's the it's the overall launch <laughs> towards the enemy. Like yeah. Conway is doing an insane amount of impressive stuff already, but like his agility <laughs> towards the enemy is. Unlike anything else, I was just mm. like, wow. There is, not, not only jumping on guards and, and punching them, but later on, I don't know, is it the final quarter? You do 
get a gun, or probably earlier, I suppose, really, if you because you do buy it, so you can buy yeah, the gun. Buy yeah, it. you can buy the gun as as early as you have the money. You used the gun quite a bit, Adam. I did later on, right? Now, one thing that we have to say here as well is that the items that you get to buy, right? The fact you could try it before buying it was yes. <laughs> yes. was yeah, yeah. excellent. Excellent. Because even though there's not a whole pile of, like, upgrades, let's say, and you kind of, you'll eventually just buy them all, like, if you want. But yeah. it's yeah. that kind of, like, try it. And you can also then return it if you want. If you want yep. to just, like, immediately go on and buy like the expensive upgrade like mm. that's excellent it is very frustrating in games when you're like I have a skill point there are two or three different things here I'm not sure which is more useful to me but I guess I ha- I have to buy this I can't try it and then you're like oh I probably should have got the other thing it's good when a game makes it so that you don't have to go on Google yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and this and this this is that it's good when a game keeps you in a, in the game <laughs> and basically Google which one is better this which one or one that should one? I have earlier yeah mm. exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so the so the gun anyway in general I I used a bit because I was kind of in my head going like why would I use a gun? Like, why would I use it here? And why would why would Conway as a as a detective start slaughtering people with a gun yeah, when he's already yeah. killing them with his fists? So I was like, what's what's the concept behind it? No, I used it in particular in in I think it might have been like I don't know, like there's 19 levels in total. I'm sure. I think it might have been 15 or 16 or something like that. Now the reason I used it here and there was because I had it kind of mapped out. I'd all my crossing stuff organized and. Like they do get a bit deeper the levels and in, in terms of like what way your approach is going to be. And this particular approach I had in mind was was like how I was going to do it. But my risk that I had was when you use the gun, you get like a 30 second timer. Now, I was like very unsure what the timer was at first. I was like, what the hell is this 30 seconds about? And what that ends up doing is uh, obviously, I don't know if we said this, but like when to complete every level, you have to go to like what is basically like a subway and you go down the steps and it's, it's always to the right hand side. And when you use a gun, you have 30 seconds to basically get out of there quickly. If, if your idea is violence with the gun, get the hacked computer and get out. Because if you don't, it's not the most threatening thing, but it's a new, a new enemy comes out of the subway system and he's just standing there. He yeah. just stays there. A guard stays there and he just waits. But, even though it's only one guard and I tried this I was like maybe if I <laughs> launch myself super high over it'll work but because as we said the AI is just absolute sniper elites they this is what happens as soon as you are even in that guard's line of sight he will just pop you straight away so I ended up for this particular level I was like there's a bad guard down there I'll shoot him and that will create the situation 30 seconds your man's there I was like so be it so what I ended up kind of doing then it's a bit of a cheat I understand but this was how I ended up finishing the level I kind of just as much as I could just itched my way close and close to the edge of a certain building I did it once, he shot me, I did it again, shot me again. I was like, all right, don't go that far. And I just blind shot from the distance and I ended up getting the guard. And I was like, brilliant, off we go, away!" <laughs> Once again, another example of a, a strategy that you can just play around with. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend using the gun all the time because it's it's definitely not, it's not amazing. Like, it, it, it's grand, it's grand, but it's just for tricky situations. So it worked there for me. The gun is also good as a deterrent like you can you can just point it at guards yeah and you you point the gun at them and they point the gun at you but they don't shoot 
like it's like a standoff mm. and you can as long as you keep pointing at them you can back away towards the door and stuff so even you can use a gun just to flash it around and that's kind of genius as well like, and you're kind of reminded of that like even using i suppose I just think of it no using the gun to like maybe you shoot a window to get the guard over rather than you just basically going through the window, mm. you would shoot the window yes. to have the guard go over there. He'll scope out that area and then you can kind of get by. It's really well designed. And there is an excuse sometimes for, we've been talking about violence. Like each mission has optional objectives as well. And sometimes it'll be, you know, I don't want a living soul. So take the gun out and kill him. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah, that's where you can punch him 600 times and you're Absolutely. doing... Absolutely. You're doing yeah. what was asked of you because <laughs> the job, at least in an optional, uh, optional way. But one other thing I wanted to mention on the topic of Boom Boom is kicking doors off their hinges. Oh, yes. Oh, it comes right at the end. So, Adam, you talked about the upgrades. On the upgrade screen, there's like, I don't know, 10, 12 different upgrades. And one of them costs, I think it's eight grand. So, you yeah. know, like, I'm, n- I'm not going to be able to get this kind of until the end and you do you get a big payout at one point and that's when you can buy this this upgrade and you can go back and play older levels or um levels you previously played in the game but mm. the first time you get it for that final level it's incredible pure power a power fantasy <laughs> you just walk up to a door and he just kicks the fuck out of it. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's that great. door goes fucking flying. It is magnificent. And I was like, oh, I forgot how good this is. I'm going back. And I'm like, yeah, playing some of the earlier levels to see what this is like. <laughs> and it is an absolute joy. Kicking do- Who knew? Kicking doors down. Brilliant. What, what's so good about it is, though, it, once again, it, it, it's not restricting you with this kind of like, it's not taking away the fun. It's like, no, no, there's the door. Just run straight into it. It's not a case of run into it and click at the at the very last minute. You know, it, mm. it's it's just tear through the doors and <laughs> absolutely take out any person that's in front of it. It's a, an upgrade that you're like, oh, I'll start this game again with that upgrade. It's it, it's worth the replay alone for it. You know, it's just yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously, you you can't have this for lack of a better term, in the game proper. Mm. It coming at the end is the right point because, as you say, you then start to think and the wheels start to turn. You go, I'm going to start this this game again because I can now kick <laughs> doors down. <laughs> so, yes. But yeah, that is what we thought of the boom boom of Gunpoint. So now let us chat about the most noteworthy level in the game. So to remind listeners this isn't necessarily you know it's it's not your favorite level or your least favorite level it can be but it's just sort of what stood out to you really so adam why don't you start us off what what stood out what level or area stood out to you in gunpoint straight away it's it's just going to be the opening for me and it's solely because as i said earlier never knew really what this game was going to be like what it was about and i think the initial like opening with the the body just falling down on the floor and then this like <laughs> guy from across the way seeing this and then ringing up and this humor coming out of like the dialogue and things like that it, it was just all a bit like oh what i was immediately like in from the yeah. second it started and i didn't even know what the gameplay was yet and it's just it's it's a 
it's a like this the, the look of it was all in. I loved how the, the city looked in the background mm. and like this it just felt like a full on detective game. And then this the intro music happened and I was like, oh brilliant. I go, this is this is so perfect for it as well. And then it just all un, un, like unraveled the whole thing there and then. And I, I, I just think like given the fact like there's obviously like as the levels go on, I suppose you can go on about how the crossing works in a sense. But like just that opening for me was just like, oh, cool. I was like, this is this is immediately setting itself up great. And it, it did. What about you, Josh? What stood out to you? My one. And I've, I did sort of touch on it a little bit. Uh, when we talked about when I talked about the sort of emergent nuttiness with the crosslink, but it's a, a, a mission for Rook, uh, and it's called the Prototype, and it's the one. It it's the it's it, well it, it's when the industrial espionage gets um, really like knotted and insular because you have to steal a prototype, but it's not really a prototype it's a fake prototype the dialogue before the mission's really funny anyway because he's like you want me to steal a thing that's not the thing so then i can steal that thing from you and give it to the other fella and rook's like yeah and he just and he's like right okay then and that made me laugh anyway but this was the mission where it's fairly simple. It's your standard building setup with the basement and it's got the, the three color coded switches um, on the top floor. So you can, once you've flipped all three of them, you can control all the different circuits in the building. And the reason I picked it was because it was the mission where I fully realized how ridiculous the crosslink is and how good it is and just the pure chaos that you can kind of, like it's the it's the game that I sort of wanted Watchdogs to be that sort of you just stand back and look at the absolute mayhem that you can wreak hmm. on this place by just swapping things around and I, and you can re- this was the first one where I think it was for me anyway the layout of the level was complex enough to allow for a ridiculous daisy chain and it was like light switch to door to knock a fella out, to motion sensor, to the lift, to the trap door on the roof. So you so I can dive in through the glass, land on the fella's head, thump him. Like the only thing I did, I just stood on the, on the top of the building and just let this absolute mayhem play out. And I think they basically knocked each other out. It was like a door got one fella, a socket got another fella. And by the end, I just sort of waltzed on in, picked up the prototype and, and, and left back out the roof up, up the way I'd came. But I did notice, and it was why I sort of said earlier um, about, you know, sort of speaking to Adam's point is it, it, it was the, the you know, the, the mission where Conway didn't move. I I wasn't, I physically could have been off site. You know, I, 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 it was, it was barely any, you know, no, no, no bullfrog hyper trousers for me. Um, the crosslink is brilliant, but I was like, man, yeah, it's, um, there's like a, a battle going on at the heart of this game between what I want it to be. It made me think to myself, maybe I'll play it again and try to use the crosslink as little as see if I could do like a, a full bullfrog run and just see if I can play the game. <laughs> just see if I can play the, the game being a sort of Spider-Man leaper figure and see if I can hack the, you know, the, the sort of bare minimum. So that was it. That was why I picked that one. It both exposed how brilliant the thing is and also sort of turn the game slightly on its head. I think for 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 brilliant 
cause and effect for sort of good and bad. Well, bad seems a bit, you know, good and interesting dilemma, I'll say. The level that I wanted to talk about was Mayfield the Suspect. And this is the final mission you do for Mayfield. So as a reminder, because I know there was a lot of names I mentioned in that opening section (laughs) an hour and a half ago or whenever it was. Um, So he is the chief of police that's had you trying to track down clues to the person that was in Rook Firearms the night of Selena Delgado's murder. That person Mm. obviously being you. Being you, yeah. (laughs) So in Mayfield's briefing before the mission, he tells you that he's figured out that the person who shot Delgado also jumped out of the third story window. He Mm. says that he tracked some suspect shipments of tech to an address across the road from Rook Firearms. So basically what this level is, Mayfield has you break into your flat to check for any evidence that might lead to your arrest. (laughs) Even during the pre-mission conversation, you can say things to Mayfield like, people who throw themselves out of third story windows aren't all that bad. It's like, the level itself is just, it's a fun twist on pretty much everything else in the game. Like, that's why I've chosen it, because the building you're trying to break into has zero guards patrolling it. But there are two rook buildings either side of it with on-duty guards. So using your bouncy pants and rewiring doodad, you have to first deal with or sneak around the guards in the building on the left and then get into your flat and take this empty box that your hyper trousers came in, and then you must deal with the guards in the other building to the right of your flat because they're blocking your pathway to the subway station to finish your mission. And then you get the the debriefing and Mayfield asks if you found anything, to which you can reply that you found the empty packaging or you can say, nope, the place was clean. Only thing this guy's guilty of is great taste. It's, <laughs> the, the, the entire level is just an, a nice twist on the layout that's been established by this point. And the dialogue as well is great. Yeah. And the two building, like the multi-building setup was a cracker as well. Eventually yeah. Mayfield does reveal that he knew it was you, but I think that's the follow-up mission to this one. But yeah, it, it just stands out to me because of the sort of marriage of its humour, which we'll talk about in a minute, and also the, the twist on the format that I, I just, I thought was great. Just mm. really, really enjoyed it. Mm. So yeah, those are the levels that stuck out to us in Gunpoint. So we are going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to talk about the story and also any other little things that we have to add on the game. So yeah, we're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to finish our review of Gunpoint. Right, let's finish chatting about Gunpoint, but after we talk for, (laughs) I don't know, an hour about the story. Um, So yeah, we're going to talk about the story, and then we're going to talk about any miscellaneous bits that we have to add. But on the story, the writing is very strong. Yeah. It weaves comedy and mystery together so well. As I was playing it, you know, it has this near future vibe mixed with some noir vibes. But what it reminded me of when I was playing it, and I'm I'm a little hesitant to use this as an example because it's not a like for like, but it did remind me of Police Squad. The story is told via these pre and post mission text chats with different characters. Uh, it's always Conway chatting to whoever it is that's given him the job. 
And as I think we might have mentioned, but Conway's dialogue, importantly, is always up to the player. So you are deciding everything that he says to whoever he's talking to. And, you know, some of the examples I gave in the last section showcase it, basically. But characters are asking Conway legit questions. And you as Conway can deliver these marvellous punchlines. Like, the, <laughs> the other character, be it Rook, be it Gessler, be it whomever it is, like, they are the straight man to Conway's goof. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that's, that's even... Goof is probably playing it up because I, I never read Conway's lines in, like, this wacky way and that's sort of why I was reminded of Police Squad because as well as the detective connection there's a a sort of a dry Leslie Nielsen-ness to what Conway is saying and Mm. I I guess to a point that is up to you the player and how you read it but that's mostly you know how how I played Conway like if you like there are some lines of dialogues that are a tad less jokey and in some cases Conway's dialogue just in general of the options you have is a bit straighter and that only makes the joke stronger in my opinion because if it was a relentless barrage it would feel very try hard and not everything would land then you have the the mystery aspect of it and that's like a sort of a carrot of resolution that's dangled in front of you from the get-go and each conversation gets you closer and closer to it like every character that's introduced is another step towards learning who killed this Delgado, why they killed Delgado. You have the relation between Rook Firearms and and Gessler and Intex. The chief of police comes in, his whole deal. What's Why is he talking to you about trying to solve this woman's murder? And then you obviously, <laughs> as we said earlier, like you have the real sombre part of the story, which is Katie Collins, who gets framed by the for the murder of Delgado by Rook's husband and eventually commit suicide in in prison but like the comedy definitely does see this story stand out and i I suppose i should say right i'm not saying i was playing it and pissing myself at every gag but (laughs) video games generally don't do comedy very well because it's hard to do comedy well in video games because of things like delivery and timing and they're just they're lost more often than not but this hits it well because you're reading this in your voice. Like to go back to mm. why comedy doesn't work in games. It doesn't work because there are variables like where the player is standing, what they're pointing the camera at, the queuing of the in-game lines, the loading of the, the, the game itself. So many different factors. And of course, one big one being that <laughs> just a lot of games just aren't very funny, you know, nope. like Hitman is funny. But Hitman is funny because of what you're doing in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just the script and the dialogue. This is funny because of what you're doing in the game as well. But just even in terms of story and script and dialogue, it, it, it's... And again, I suppose it comes back to what I was saying about your reading it in your voice. I was reading it as a sort of a, a dry Leslie Nielsen. You know, perhaps, I don't know, it, it, it may, come, may not come across as well to others. But to me, it was just like, yeah, you're just, you're just reading a script or a book or whatever. The writing was... It's just, I, I thought it was very, very strong. Mm. You, you enjoyed, in particular, the comedy as well, Josh. I did, I did. And I, and I agree with you. I, I, and it's nice that it feels really, really holistic. It, 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 it was in, it's in the slapstick. It's in, uh, it's in the cutscenes, as you mentioned. And the freedom that you have in the cutscenes um, 
is great. It, it it's an interactive thing. They they they've made it interactive in a meaningful way. And to say because it's not throwaway, but to pick up on what Tom Francis was was sort of saying, you know, about the game. Lots of the story is optional, but ha- but uh, to sort of pick up, chime with your point as well. Having it be both optional but really good if you want to participate in it, and also having that be funny whilst keeping your interaction core to that uh, is a really, really, really uh, impressive uh, feat. And I did, and I did think that. Um, I, I really liked the way that you could like I, I like I played my Conway in terms of mechanics. I think we all roughly had a you know a sort of similar thing, mm-hmm. but I played my Conway I think in a different way to you. My Conway was a, an absolute douchebag. Um, you know, he sort of cut people off and uh, <laughs> like lots of the time was fairly no nonsense. And, and I wouldn't ask too many questions. I just, I just say, yep, got it. And <laughs> just go in and mm-hmm. do the mission. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. I, I, I don't really feel like, oh, I'm missing out. I feel like I had a little hand in crafting something that was really funny. But yeah, uh, it is hard boiled sort of, detective fiction nonsense with all the twisty turns if you if you want it to be and if you do grapple with it i think you're right i think there is actually a surprisingly robust uh mystery why is it surprising i don't know why so maybe maybe surprisingly is a little bit too patronizing uh to to, to games and at the very least to tom francis there's just a robust mystery to it i think that is really nicely told funny that you can just completely you know breeze through and leave the whole thing as as well if you want to you could just hang up the phone and not ever engage with any of it but that that would be a that would be a crime as far as i'm concerned <laughs> is it fair to say similar thinking adam very much so um i think like when you're saying the whole Leslie Neeson situation i agree with that and i think the idea of like how what way we play conway and stuff is it's something until hearing it no is something i didn't really think of but then it just it does make perfect sense because I think for me, the way I was playing it with like, cause it's not like you get a whole pile of options, but like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. what was what was there and what I picked my character. I felt I was creating this fella who was just kind of like who was just like listening to everyone's situation. going Right. OK. Yeah. Yeah. OK. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. No matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt <laughs> he was playing out. And there was something that happens near the end of the game that I'll go on about in a second um, that perfectly summed up the whole thing for me but I I thought the overall story it almost like it didn't need to go as deep as it had I felt like like it's it's absolutely like not a bad thing at all but I was kind of surprised I think the the whole suicide situation everything that I was like Jesus it's a bit dark and then I started questioning the way I was reacting and my choices in my dialogue, I was like, should I maybe give a shit a bit more? Should I start maybe not being kind of like blasé about everything? Because I kept building up as like, well, I'm just, I just want to get paid and that's that. And then you just feel like you're just in the middle of all this carnage and everyone's talking about guns and murder and stuff like that. So it's, it's there's a, a ton of like black comedy, I feel, in the whole thing. Yeah, I thought, of, I thought the story and everything was, Really, really fun. As you say, like you don't have many dialogue options, but you do have 
you know, as as evidenced here, we we played Conway slightly different. You know, like mm. you played him as an outright mm. dickhead, Josh. That was just like, shut up and just give me the job. <laughs> Whereas I was kind of a bit of a smart ass or making kind of like wisecracks. Yeah. Ultimately, which is kind of a beauty in it as well. None of it matters. Like you, you can you can play him the way you want to, but you're going to get this level. You're going to like you know the main points of the story or just the level themselves. Like it's yeah, that's what it is, and. Yeah. You'll you'll get different outcomes when it comes to cross-linking things and mm-hmm. how you complete it. But yeah, you say what you want. Play Conway however you want to play him. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we thought of the story. So this is the section of the podcast where we just mop up any other things we have to add. It's sort of a miscellaneous section. And you know what, Adam? You alluded to it a moment ago. So why don't you tell the listener but what does happen at the end of the game? Yeah, so basically when you finish the game, um, it goes off to the site. Pentadact.com. And it becomes Conway's secret blog. And like what you end up doing before that is Conway's basically writing his blog and you pick the, the remaining, I think, like four lines or whatever. And I actually like... Um, screenshotted my one just to to quickly read um, it says Conway's secret blog uh, a case of crossed wires 14 dead 31 injured 20 jobs $13,000 I've had better weeks <laughs> they don't let me name names on this blog but the person behind the hit I was investigating is probably being picked up by the East Point police about now I um, may have killed more people than I actually avenged here I didn't get the trigger man it was the only play I could stomach. Wish, uh, wish I could say it. It was the right one. I don't know. I guess I picked the least shitty of the two incredible shitty sides. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe all that matters is that I know of the ability to kick down doors. Either way, <laughs> I think I need ten cc's of ketamine and a Colombo Marathon. I think for me, it perfectly just summed up how I played and like envisioned this character without any kind of voice or any sort of that. That's the way he was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I just have the ability to keep down doors. No, that's the best thing that's how, that's come out of this. It just cracked me up throughout the whole thing and I just thought it was a very surprising little touch that I just didn't expect. I thought it was such a quirky little addition. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a similar thing. I had 12 dead, 34 injured. So, yeah, you are more bloodthirsty than I, I think. You said you'd 14. <laughs> yeah. Josh, can you remember your... your? I'm annoyed I can't. I can't I, yeah, because it's funny because Adam was talking about loving that gun earlier and now it's come home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I, sh- oh, I should have screenshotted. Why don't you instead tell us about the music, something we haven't spoken about much on this podcast yet, and how much you enjoyed us. Oh, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, uh, real L.A. Noir sort of vibes to it. And, and like I was thinking, actually, because it's that lovely jazz bit of trumpet and it's raining outside and it's a lovely... And even like him sort of writing on the blog there even reminds me of like a kind of hard-boiled like voiceover that you used to get. Like Max Payne gives you the voiceover. He sort of narrates the story in that kind of looking back kind of way. The music just sort of... It's such a moody stew that just perfectly complements what the game is. And I was thinking it probably would have been like Hotline Miami would have been really, you know, big in Tom Francis's head at that time. You know, it gets like 2012. And then I was thinking, ah, 2011, I bet, I bet, you know, 
like I wonder if he was influenced by a bit of that lovely music in LA Noir, which is one of the best things about that game. I thought it was lovely. Um, I thought it was really, really magic. Three names uh, who worked on the, the soundtrack. John Robert Matz, Ryan Ike and Francisco Serda or Curda. Excellent job, folks, because yeah, I echo everything you say, Josh. It's this jazzy, sexy, brushes on snares, glockenspiels, piano runs. <laughs> it's, yes. Oh, it sets the tone beautifully. And there's one track here I wanted to give the, the listener a bit of a, a taste of it. This is called Round Gunpoint, and it'll be often heard when you're having one of your, your text chats so you can envision the sort of, you know, the, the smooth narration that would go over top of this if there was narration. So yeah, take a listen to Round Gunpoint. risk of just continuing oh, to let, let, let's just let it play <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's fantastic yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible excellent at setting setting the tone but one thing I wanted to talk about was the strength of the music in the actual game itself in, in the levels because the music you hear during levels has been recorded twice So once as this smooth, cool, fascio, jazz club, nice. I was just thinking that when you said smooth, cool. When you're in your like regular view and then it's been recorded again as a, as a sort of Beverly Hills Cop synth cover of the same track (laughs) when you're using the cross link and it works an absolute treat. So like, I'm going to play a clip here. This is... The Five Floor Goodbye, which is a song you'll hear just on, on some of the levels. And what I've done is I've cut together r- 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 remix. I've cut together both the regular <laughs> version and the version you hear while you're using the crosslink. So you'll get to hear sort of the, the, the two working together. So yeah, take a listen to this. really if I'm honest it's just it it's just so so cool I have to say right there's there's a slight bit of uh, a slight Cooper feel off that yes yes I was thinking that on that just specifically on that piece just then yeah yeah but yeah I mean, yeah I think it's probably better than I'd need to listen to some of the Sly Cooper stuff again but it's probably better than Sly Cooper even but yeah it really got those vibes in that early Paris level you know? yeah but it, it, it's it's going off the what, what you're saying though Colm as well like the the fact it 
it just changes for the crossing. And then you like when we were just listening to that clip where he's listening to all these like just one sounds like what a, what an outcome, like what yeah. an outcome of an idea, do you know, just yeah, that's that's just the one like, do you know, we mentioned this earlier, how and when I go through some of the reviews in a minute as well. But yeah, you said, Adam, um, earlier on the show, like the discussion around the the length of the mm. game and you said it as well, I think, Josh, like people talking about how, oh, it's too short. You're to- totally disagree. Is that right? I, I, I just can't, like, I can't disagree more on it. Like for, I have to echo as well, like on, I know I mentioned already, but the year that it was, 2013, right? I'm, when you take in, the massive games that came out, Last of Us, Bioshock Infinite, Grand Theft Auto V, like, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, like, there's so many games that, like, you are about 20, 30 hours or whatever, right? Mm. The same year, Papers, Please came out, Gone Home came out. I don't recall, rem- like, I don't remember hearing Gone Home or Papers, Please getting the same kind of criticism. I think Gone Home got it a bit. I In, f- in fairness, I think it did. Like, Gone Home huh. is about a two hour, like, well, I know you can finish the game in like yeah. 60 seconds or something, but yeah. like, the, the Gone Home is about a two hour long game, really. And then mm. Papers, Please, I think is like three or four as well. I don't understand when I finished this, when I finished Gunpoint, I was like, what, what what's the, what's the problem? Like, there's yeah. obviously clearly decent replay value because mm. um, like I'm definitely probably going to play it all again like with, with the other abilities and stuff and maybe try different strategies but like it doesn't overstay its welcome and I think everything just feels so unbelievably tight and I don't think I ever like like I, I actually played it all in one sitting for me I did that because of how much enjoyment I was having out of it but I never felt that like it was like really short when it ended or I felt like, oh, jeez, I've been here ages doing this. I was just enthralled with the whole thing that I was just like, yeah, this is this is brilliant. And then it just ended and I was like, oh, I'd nearly compare it to like when you go to a, a restaurant and you have an absolutely banging meal and you're like, that was amazing. Or if someone comes along then and goes, but would you rather that meal or would you rather have like eight small, tiny little courses? I'd be like, Ugh. Maybe so, but like, will there be four of those courses? Will they be crap or are they going to be average? <laughs> because you're guaranteeing me that this steak here is going to be the business. So I'm going to do that, even though I have this done in like probably 20 minutes. And you're telling me the eight course is going to be probably two hours. I'll, I'll stick with the steak because I know what I'm going to get here and I'm satisfied. Mm. That's how I felt, felt about Gunpoint. I... I don't understand it. I think if a lot of those, uh, if you asked a lot of those reviewers now, I, I, you know, don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I think, but I will, but I bloody well will. <laughs> I think they would recant on a lot of that stuff, and I, and I would say two things. Number one, Tom Francis kind of nailed it in when uh, I think Cullum read out his comment earlier, which was just, yeah, I would like it to be longer. But he has exactly the right approach, which is, but it would need more ideas mm-hmm. if it was going, mm-hmm. it couldn't just be more of this. Because, and I think Adam, uh, spot on, it's like, it's the right length for the ideas that it has. I didn't, there is no chance to get bored of the crosslink. And, you know, maybe four or five more levels mm-hmm. might have made me go, okay, I'm doing this again. It, it was exactly the right length for me for, for the ideas it had. And then point number two, just broadly, the, the only time uh, that, that, you know, 
a game being too short is ever even enters the conversation for me is when money's involved. That's the only time where I can even begin to see it as something approaching. I don't think I've, if you take, if you put money to one side just for one moment, just hypothetically, I don't think I've ever played a game and thought that was so good and it's to its detriment that there isn't more of it. The only time mm. is like, well, I've just paid 50 quid and actually uh, the remake of Resident Evil 3 is maybe a little short. I disagree with that. I think that game's perfect length, but I digress. Generally, if you take money out of it, it's sort of just non-existent. Like I don't, I, I can't think, I, I can't name one that I've thought, oh mm. yeah, that's really taken away from that, it being, <laughs> it being short. And in the case of Gunpoint, wrong, 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 wrong. One thing that they didn't account for in 2013 was the Steam Deck, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, I put this down, it's stupid, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I think I wrote down like, this doesn't have anything to do with Tom Francis, but, you know, it's a nice little sort of cosmic uh, coincidence mm. that's worked out very well for the game. I played it on Steam Deck, which um, controlled great with the little tracky pads for the froggy jump, but, uh, a big fan of like menus that have interfaces in them mm-hmm. within games. So for example, uh, Hypnospace Outlaw or something like, like games yep. that have frame, you know, that sort of thing. This one, brilliant, because everything happens on Conway's little, I guess, phone communication device. And you could see his little gloved hand holding it. And it looked like the Steam Deck. It looked like he knew I was on a Steam Deck. And that, and every time I paused it, I was like, oh, He's looking at it just like I am. Of course, he's not. But, you know, it's the, it, again, it's the little things. It is. Uh, and it does stand out, in fairness. So, yeah, that is what we thought of Gunpoint. That is our review done and dusted. So before we give our final verdict on the game, I think that we should play a little quiz. <laughs> Every episode of the Stealth Boom Boom podcast sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts with a simple game I like to call Who Am I? I give five clues to the identity of a video game character and you, Josh Wise, and you, Adam Carroll, must give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop and then give me said answer. Given the nature of this podcast, the video game character in question will be from a stealth slash stealthy video game, and I will not listen to any complaints from either participant if they have a problem with the character I have chosen. You get the clues once and once only, so listen up and listen up good. Let us play Who Am I? Clue number one. My first appearance in a video game was in 2014. 2014. 2014 was the year. <laughs> Clue number two. I grew up in America. It was a rough neighborhood, so I sort of just got well into computers as a kid. Hmm. Hmm. Clue, <laughs> clue number three. <laughs> People around my neighborhood sometimes call me the fox. Could be because of something on my clothes. Or it could be because I eat out of bins. <laughs> he does indeed eat out of bins. <laughs> uh, oh, this is tough. Uh, Clue number four. 
I should say that yes, I grew up in America, but I was born in Northern Ireland. What? Oh. Oh, stop. Wait, yes, yes, definitely. Stop. Josh Wise. Um, Aidan Pierce from Watch Dogs. And this week's winner is Josh Wise. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well done. So I had to go through the clues. My first appearance in a video game was in 2014. Watch Dogs. Uh, watch underscore dogs, excuse me. Clue number two. I grew up in America. It was in a rough neighborhood, so I sort of just got well into computers as a kid. I mean, according to his biography, he did. I felt like saying he was a hacker was a bit too far. Give, give the game away at that point. Yeah. Uh, clue yeah. number three. People around my neighborhood sometimes call me the fox. Could be because of something on my clothes. So if you have a bad reputation in Watch Dogs, you're, he's called the fox. And he's also, he's also called the fox in both Watch Dogs 2 and Watch Dogs Legion. He's, he's referenced as the fox. But I mean, I didn't know that before I was doing this. Video <laughs> I played the game. No, that's not the clue that did it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the clue that did it for you was clue number four. I should say that, yes, I grew up in America, but I was born in Northern Ireland. According to his, his bio on, on a, a wiki, Aidan was born on the 2nd of May 1974 and grew up in Belfast alongside his younger sister, Nicole. His mother took the siblings to the United States in order to escape from their father, who was implied to have been an abusive parent that's the the young years of Aiden Pierce but yeah what was did was it just something that just you remember no it was it was a little it was a little um fusion of uh the got getting well into computers and the year 2014 I don't know why that just watchdog sticks in my head as 2014 because I remember it being like an early PS4 thing but obviously that was like late 2013 well done. Well done. And the clue I didn't get to, clue number five. So I mentioned I was big into computers as a kid. That is true. But I guess the older I got, it was much easier to get up to mischief with my phone. You can't be carrying a laptop around the streets of Chicago. Because yes, you obviously hack stuff with your phone. And I thought it might be fresh in your head, Josh, seeing as earlier in this episode, you referenced Watch Dogs. I did. Well, there you go. The score currently 2-1 to Josh. Mm. Things are hotting up. Uh, with regards to who am I? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that does it for uh, who am I this week. So let's take a quick break and then we will be back with the verdict on gunpoint. Yes, this is the part of Stealth Boom Boom where we give you our sort of, we summarize our thoughts on gunpoint and, you know, bestow an honor or a dishonor on the game. However, getting ahead of myself, before that, I must tell you what the critics were saying at the time about Gunpoint. So a couple of reviews here for uh, for you. First one is Kirk Hamilton of Kotaku. They said, quote, Gunpoint is smart, creative, responsive, surprising, and possessed of an uncommon respect for the player. Dan Whitehead of Eurogamer gave it 8 out of 10 and said, quote, more snack than feast. It would be nice if there, if there was slightly more of it to enjoy, but Gunpoint comes highly recommended all the same. Uh, Marty Sleva of IGN gave it 9 out of 10 and said, quote, every aspect of its clever design, laugh out loud noir story, tiny but expressive art and moody music work harmoniously with one, on one another. Peter Brown of GameSpot gave it 7.5 out of 10 and said, quote, 
You'll wind up walking away from gunpoint sooner than you'd like. It's the start of something great, but without more context, it feels too much like the appetizer to a main course. There's your food metaphor, Adam. Tasty enough to excite the senses, but not substantial enough to to constitute an entire meal. So he's not getting a meal there. It's a steak, Peter. It's a steak. (laughs) And finally, Justin McElroy of Polygon gave it 9 out of 10 and said, quote, as mainstream games continue to balloon in budget and feature sets, Gunpoint is a bracing reminder of how lovely simplicity, uh, when exquisitely executed, can be. But forget all of that. Food or no food. None of those opinions <laughs> I just read out matter. The only opinions that matter are Adam's, Josh's and mine as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Gunpoint. So how this works is that each of us will give Gunpoint a rating. The rating is either a pass, a play or an espionage explosion. A pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. Or an espionage explosion, we really think you should play this game. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval or disapproval. So, let's give our final ratings of Gunpoint. Adam Carroll. Call him a horn. Pass, play, or espionage explosion. One, two, three. Top, middle, or bottom. I won't, I won't spend too long on this because it's, it's probably very obvious how I feel about it. I'm going to go pass. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I can see it coming. This is an espionage explosion. Um, I, I, I absolutely loved this game. Like, loved it. I, it's, it was, it's very hard to do this podcast when you walk away from a game such as Gunpoint and try to just like not go in full belt going, this is just amazing because that's all I wanted to say all the time about every single thing we spoke about throughout the game. Um, I think it's everything I love about video games. It, it just, it did so much right. And like, I think when I finished it, I was absolutely dying to text both of you lads in the in, in the group chat and just go <laughs> lads gunpoint gunpoint is after blowing me away Tom Francis if you listen to this and I hope you do right if you're listening to this thank you for making gunpoint and I'm sorry it took me this song to get to it and for the love of God man please make a sequel it's just incredible all the way through brilliant Josh Wise where do you stand on gunpoint it's an espionage explosion, is what it is. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean everything we've said, really. I just we don't even I don't even need to crack in stealth, um, crack in boom boom in a variety of different ways. Bullfrog hyper trousers, cross link. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and will he complete the set? Of course I will. Yeah, you will. Of course I will. <laughs> Have you been listening to the podcast for God's sake? Okay. <laughs> to sum up, I think, lads, 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 gunpoint is terrific. <laughs> Need I say oh. more? I think I summed it up well 10 years ago. Tonight. I think 10 years ago, Callum Ahern nailed it. <laughs> so yeah, espionage explosion, quite handily. So for the first time on Stealth Boom Boom, it took 10 games but for the first time, every single one of us have gone espionage explosion. It's the only way it could have gone. But lads, forget all that. Put gunpoint to the back of your minds because we need to we need to focus on what we're going to be talking about next time on the podcast. Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be looking at a game that Matt Helgeson of Game Informer called, quote, 
a deeply felt, shockingly violent game that questions what we're willing to sacrifice and, more disturbingly, what we're willing to do to save the ones we love. David Houghton of Games Radar said, quote, This is no mere action game you're reading about. It isn't even just a very good one. It's a bona fide, genre-defining, once-or-twice-a-generation big deal. And Paul Sartori of The Guardian called it, quote, uh, visually arresting, mechanically solid, maturely written, tense, unnerving, and brutal. Oh, and funnily enough, it was mentioned earlier on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting The Last of Us. What if it's true? Do I need to remind you what is out there? Once upon a time, I had somebody that I cared about. And in this world, that sort of shit's good for one thing. Getting you killed. I need something smuggled out of the city. It's just cargo, Joel. I just want some simple gear, enough to set me on my way. I reckon it's got something to do with that girl. It's got everything to do with that little girl. It can't be any worse than in here. We're shitty people, Joel. It's been that way for a long time. No, we are survivors. This is our chance. It is over, Tess. What are you so afraid of? You're treading on some mighty thin ice here. What do we do? You make every shot count. You see, I believe everything happens for a reason. We don't have to do this. You know that, right? After all we've been through, everything that I've done, it can't be for nothing. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, it's fresh in everyone's heads, I guess, now. Yeah. As the TV show finished up about, was it a month or two months ago? So the story is fresh in everyone's heads. A couple of months ago as well, part one came, the remake came to Mm -hmm. PC. So, well, I suppose I I should say, uh, (laughs) what is your knowledge of The Last of Us? Um, We've all played it to completion, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's going to be a fun one to chat about, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's quite, it's dour, but like, yeah. We'll have fun. (laughs) This is going to be my fourth time playing the game. Yeah, because I reviewed part one only a few what was it like september well in that case it'll be quite interesting to hear what you thought of part one versus what you thought of the last of us indeed all i all i can say is that i vividly remember our conversation column when this game first released oh because i don't so i'm (laughs) and how we how we felt at the time Okay. Oh, okay. Subscribe and tell your friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, something to look forward to. But yeah, that does just about do it for this edition of Stealth Boom Boom. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, you can subscribe to our lovely little podcast via all of your podcatching apps. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pocket Cast, etc., etc. Just search for us and you'll find us there. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, we are at Stealth Boom Boom. You can also follow us individually as well on social media. I am at column underscore O'Hearn. Adam is at Adam's Oaks. And Josh is at Joshy Wise. 
But now, now it is time for my least favourite part of the show, because this is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. And say goodbye, Conor Mahern. Sloan. Gaffold.